As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Rich Lambert, current creative director at Zenimax Online Studios. So join us as we explore his journey. This episode of Dev Diary has been recorded at PAX Australia 2019, and as such, there might be an occasional burst of background noise that simply couldn't be avoided. So please, bear with us and enjoy the episode. Thank you again. So today I'm joined by Rich. How are you? Good. How are you? Very well. How's your time in Melbourne been so far? And PAX specifically? It's been fantastic. How how long have you been here? Tuesday? I actually don't know what day it is. I'm losing track of time. Still jet lag. We're Saturday at the moment. Okay. Uh, Yeah, a few days. I got here Tuesday. Uh, You've enjoyed Melbourne? Yeah. I've had a lot of fun just kind of wandering around, looking at the city. Any particular highlights? First time here? Uh, First time here. I actually followed the river a couple of days ago up to the Botanical Gardens, the War Memorial, and it's just beautiful. It's a really nice area, yeah. Yeah. Um, How long are you sticking around for? Beyond PAX? A few days? Uh, I'm going to Sydney on Sunday and spend a couple of days with the the Sydney team. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, Spend any time in Sydney before? No. Oh, so a whole bunch of new highlights for you as well. That'd be great. Look forward to it then. So this is Dev Diary series where we talk to developers from all around the industry about their experiences, their stories, they share some of those stories and we build up to I guess the point where we currently are. Now that's ESO and a lot of work around that and we'll, we'll get to that shortly but we're going to rewind to the very, very beginning. I'm not even talking about your career at this point. Okay. Do you recall what your first gaming experience was? My first gaming if, experience? Um, whether that was maybe watching someone play or the first game that you played? I think the, the game that really got me into playing more games and wanting to know more about yeah. video games was uh, Yara's Revenge okay. on the yep. Atari 2600. Yeah. That was just, I could play that over and over and over and over and over. I never got tired of it. What was it about that one that just clicked? Uh, you know, it was it was the combination of the difficulty yep. and I'd also kind of learned the patterns or recognize the patterns of the, the enemies quickly. And yeah. so I could adjust to that and basically not die when I was playing. Yeah, okay. So I just, I just love that. that Which even today is still one of the important aspects, I guess, for a lot of games is just recognizing the pattern involved. Mm-hmm. And once you do, you're, you're halfway there. Yep. Then it's just execution at that point. Um, so how did things kind of develop for you from there? What, what sort of games did you experiment with afterwards? Were there, were there any particular franchises or particular games that you really latched onto? Particular genres maybe? That I love, love sports games. Yep. I really loved uh, RPGs, so the Final Fantasy series obviously yep. was it was kind of my my bread and butter for a very very long time. You're talking my language there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I spent many 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 hours playing uh, the Final Fantasy series. Yeah, just just loved it, um, and then uh, fell in love with MMOs. Yeah, okay. You know, going in playing that, I just love the concept of playing with other players. And Which ones kind of? So I started with the Realm. It yep. wasn't really an, an MMO, but it was it was a larger larger scale yep. game that I ever played. And then uh, Ultima Online was was the big one that yeah, okay. got me hooked. And then EverQuest. That's actually where I met my wife. Okay. And we've nice. been married for almost eighteen years now. That's fantastic. And just yeah, kind of all the way through anything that that comes out, I, I jump into and try to play. I guess given the, the the marriage aspect there, I guess it makes sense that MMOs have just kind of become a part of your life it's, as well it's in a many huge ways. Part, yeah. 
but it wasn't always MMOs. So there was uh, at the beginning of your career, we're talking there was testing there with EA. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Wow, for, you, you've done your homework. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> Look, LinkedIn is a pretty handy resource for starters, but <laughs> but uh, I mean that about five six years. Is that about right? Yep. Uh, and uh, I completely accidentally stumbled into it. How did that come to be? Uh, I because I assume that you know there was a passion to get in games at some point. The, well, but... so I loved games. Yeah. I didn't know that games was a career. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that you know uh, a couple of people just kind of got together, made the game, and it was done. Like I had no idea the process and all that other yeah. stuff. And uh, I was actually going to school because I thought I wanted to be a professional golfer. Like that yeah, was okay. my that was my thing. So I wanted to learn about it and all that. And one summer in between semesters, my buddy got a job testing games at EA, and I was like, "That's BS. There's no way. That's not a real job." And it turned out it Dude, was. <laughs> and uh, I gave him my resume, and I got a job. And a summer job turned into a full time career, and that was 24 years ago. Yeah. So what what did that kind of look like? I guess yeah, over the course of about six years, what sort of things were you were you experimenting with? What does the day to day look like in a in a testing uh, it, career like that? It varies. Yeah. So in the initial bits was literally just sitting in front of uh, a television with a video cassette and you were yeah. recording your gameplay. And that was how we would recreate bugs. You'd have a weird issue pop up and then you'd have what we call a tape time. You'd record that, you'd enter a bug, the development team would go and watch the tape and go, oh, we know what that is, and then they'd fix yeah. it. And that was kind of the process. And so it was a lot of uh, that kind of ad hoc testing. There was a lot of verification of just, here's all the teams. Like I worked on a lot of the FIFAs and yeah. triple play baseball and NHL hockeys and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of kind of mundane verification testing. And then we slowly moved into things like AI testing where we would, on FIFA, that team had a module that they could just kind of plug in and you would play stickman soccer. Okay. So that they could work out the AI before they plugged it into that year's game. And it okay. was a lot of That's fun really just kind of playing that and, and going through and, and trying to recreate those types of bugs. Um, and then from there, it just, as I slowly progressed through my career, I kind of went from testing to managing testing to creating the test plans, you know, and then moved into production. And yeah, eventually into, into joining Bethesda in, in 2005. Uh, was it five? Was it two? Oh, I'll defer to... Oh, uh, next year will be 15 years so uh, that'll yeah that'd be 2005 yeah so 2005 yeah um and so in that time um prior to your work on eso you you spent a bit of time with oblivion i did so that was my first job fairly pro fairly prominent game yeah i was a, a producer a good, there good place to start i guess <laughs> uh i was a producer on oblivion i worked with the tech group yeah and uh we were responsible for getting oblivion to work on the consoles and I mean, given you're talking about that's your, that's your first job, I guess in that in that in that space, um, and Oblivion is coming off obviously very successful at that point already with the PC release and Obliv uh, sorry and Morrowind before it was huge. A bit daunting at first. Uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I was a huge fanboy. Like yeah. Morrowind was really the game that I played Daggerfall. Yeah. But Morrowind was the game where I was like, wow, like this can be what games are, and I upgraded my PC to play Morrowind. And so I was really excited when I got the, the call from them saying, hey, we're interested, you know, do you want to come out and interview? And I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. And I've been there ever since. So when did the seeds first start to begin then for what ultimately became ESO? <laughs> There's a really... So, I mean, Oblivion 2006-7 with the, the kind of straddling of the multiple consoles and mm -hmm. all that sort of thing there. Um, and then ESO, you know, not till 2014 was the original final release. Yeah, we started working on it in 2007. 
And uh, when I started at Bethesda, I would pretty frequently go sit down in Todd's office and be like, hey, I think Elder Scrolls would make a fantastic MMO. I would love to do that. Um, can we do that? And I would just continually pester him. And there was always kind of a reason why we couldn't or, or, or yeah. whatnot, because we were focused on other things. And then one day, Todd actually called me into his office. And I came and sat down there. Matt Fyro was sitting in there with him. And Todd was and knowing, like... Knowing his career. <laughs> Todd was like, Matt, this is Rich. Rich, this is Matt. Matt is going to make Elder Scrolls Online. Yep. Matt, please take Rich. All he talks about is making an MMO. <laughs> Just, I need him gone. He needs That's to. right. <laughs> and uh, we talked for like three hours that day. And he hired me on the spot. That's fantastic. Yeah, and we've been working ever since. Um, and so then from that point, obviously, you, you kind of went through a few different roles. There was lead, con uh, lead content designer, these days um, the creative director. Mm -hmm. And what are those sort of different pathways kind of look like for you? Um, I mean, it, it's all... Especially since it obviously was, you know, it was 2007 before the 2014 yeah, it, release. It's all so kind it's of the same job. It's just there's more responsibility. Yeah. So I actually started off as a producer on um, ESO, working with a lot of the tools and, and, and that kind of stuff. And then moved to be the lead dungeon designer, yep. and then moved into be the lead content designer, and now as the creative director. And it's it, it's all very similar. Where my job ultimately now is, I'm responsible for all the things that go into the game. Yeah, um, I don't do it all myself. I have a team that that does all this stuff, but I'm managing the team and making sure that the types of things we're building fit within the universe and fit within the game. Yeah, understood. Uh, and it's a. Uh, it's an interesting creative process, trying to go through and be like, hey, we should do this. What does this mean? Um, how do we go from this kind of meta concept to a zone or to a particular dungeon yeah. or whatnot? And obviously there's so much kind of history and lore with that franchise too that you're constantly digging through. Yeah, there's and 25 it's years of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how is it? Like, when, I mean, I don't expect you to go into specifics about what you do and don't know about, A, the future of... Uh -huh. um, I know a lot about ESO, but, but also <laughs> specifically, I guess, Elder Scrolls Six, even. Mm -hmm. But how does that look, I guess, on the day to day when there's the, there's this big next core, quote unquote, um, Elder Scrolls game in development in the form of the Six one, and then you've got ESO at the same time. How do how do those two, I guess, different factions kind of talk? Because I imagine there's a lot of preliminary conversations about it at some point there might be some sort of Elder Scrolls Six related stuff that might creep into it, or at least references, even if it's <clears throat> in the form of Easter eggs, for example, mm -hmm. uh, even on that kind of very surface level. How does that kind of dynamic look when you're communicating amongst those teams without obviously going to specifics? Yeah, yeah. That's, so... If I you mean, want to tell me everything about it, <laughs> that's fantastic, but I understand you can't. I will totally not tell you everything <laughs> about that. Uh, no, like... I have to try and get Todd on. The teams <laughs> are obviously separate teams. Yeah. Right, we're in Hunt Valley, they're in, they're in uh, Rockville. Um, but we have to work very closely with each other. You know, they yeah. are ultimately the IP holder. We are borrowing the IP to, to yes. make this game. So we go through an approval process. Uh, I talk with that team very, very frequently. Uh, and we know what they're working on. They understand what we're working on. And uh, where it makes sense, we try to make sure that there's, there's things that... Um, synergize with each other. Yes. But we're in a very different time period than they are. Oh, of course. You know, we're yeah. in the second era. Um, you know, we're a thousand years before any of the other stuff that they've done. Yeah, so we get a lot of kind of creating the law that then we get a lot later. of leeway to kind of do our own thing, which yeah. is which is a lot of fun. That's that's really cool. And I mean, obviously, at the same time, you're still pouring through the history of what's already been established. So, yeah, um, yeah I was really curious, to kind of know what that dynamic, I guess, would look like between those two teams and how that communication channel. Looks. So I can give you a few. Ex yeah, uh, go examples. for it, no, please. So uh, we uh, everybody knows the Dark Brotherhood. Yep, and what the Dark Brotherhood is, and Emil, who was the the lead designer for that way way back in the day, he's now the design director there. 
um, that's his, his baby. And so when we were looking at uh, doing the Dark Brotherhood DLC that we did, uh, I sent him a pitch of, here's the things, here's, you know, make sure we're on the right track, the right yes. path. And he sent me back like a seven page novel going, this is where you got this wrong and this wrong and this is not oh, how wow. they do it and this is, and we were like, how did we get this so wrong? Like, how do, how do we not understand? Um, and then we were able to go back and forth and we're like, well, this is how we interpret this and this is how we interpret this. And he's like, okay, I understand why you would interpret that because that's kind of the beauty of Elder Scrolls yeah. is there's it's not, a single, source, there's not yeah. a single source of truth, but he's like, here's the truth and how I would kind of go about doing this. And so that's how it kind of yeah, okay. uh, came uh, together. Uh, dragons is another really good example. Yeah, so okay. elsewhere we added dragons to, yeah. to ESO. And in the second era, there aren't, dragons around yes you know, that's yeah, that's what the lore says and so the way we worked that out with bethesda was there could be an outbreak of dragons they could be trapped somewhere which in eso you accidentally unleash dragons from the yeah. halls of colossus and then at the end of the year uh, you will deal with that threat and then it kind of goes away so it's this isolated incident that happens it's not tamrielic wide and that's why over the course of a thousand years kind of remain you could have contained to that yeah, yeah. Yeah, really interesting. And I guess, yeah, again, that, that communication channel and how those things look is a really interesting, I guess, glimpse behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, there's still plans for, I guess, the future of, of ESO. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> probably, I'm sure, on the back end of multi-year roadmap that, that you're kind of working on. What, what can you talk about? That, um... I can tell you that we are already hard at work on next year's stuff. Yeah. And I already have plans out past that for the next several years. And you've got your own personal little dreams that maybe haven't been necessarily established as a team yet that you're working towards, but a few little dreams in your oh, yeah. back of your mind that you'd really like to... Oh, yeah. I mean, the world is so full of so many, you know, really cool, quirky things. Yeah. And, you know, we've really just kind of scratched the surface. Over the years, we've slowly started filling out the world of Tamriel, the, the mundane world of Tamriel. Yeah. But Oblivion is this huge treasure trove of Untapped amazing still. stories and amazing places. So. Um, there's no shortage of things that we can do or stories we can tell. Are there any particular, and obviously you've got things that are, lo oh, I guess, locked in, quote unquote, that are in the pipeline for next year or the even the years beyond. Are there, is there anything that you'd particularly, you particularly would like to see featured in one way, <laughs> shape or form that you'd perhaps be inclined to share? That just your personal desire as opposed to it's a formal decision. Sure. Uh, so under that caveat, right, yeah. I think the, the thing yeah, this is one not of a things, confirmation of anything that's, let's be crystal clear one of the, the things that I, I really uh, find interesting about the lore in Elder Scrolls is the Daedra and kind of how yeah. they work so uh, I would you know love to explore that yeah sounds awesome I'd certainly like to learn more about them because mm -hmm. they are a really interesting kind of part of the, the whole universe right. so as we kind of focus I guess a bit more in on you and we start to wind this thing up um who inspires you in this industry? Are there particular people that you've worked with or that you look across at and kind of motivate you or drive you or that you model some of your own work off? Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a lot. And I get inspiration from... I'm sure from, probably some of them you work with as well. Yeah, I get inspiration kind of from everywhere, not just the games yeah. industry. You know, obviously Todd yeah. is a very big influence on yeah, a lot of people's lives. Uh, the way he kind of goes about working with the team and how... Um, how his vision kind of works is, yes. is really interesting through that, that process is, is, is really, really interesting. Um, and then, you know, outside of that, there's, there's authors, there's, um, 
that are they're really interesting to me. They're sports figures that are really interesting to yep. me that just kind of do things in the right way. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually it just speaks to you. I've followed um, people like Robert Whitaker for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I didn't actually get to meet him in person until I came here. And he is one of those types of people that kind of does things the right way, right? Where super right. down to earth, um, works hard and plays hard. And so that's, that's that's the type of person that I like to kind of follow yourself. and pay attention to. Awesome. Um, any particularly valuable lessons you've kind of picked up along the way? Maybe that oh. really hard lesson from a really rough sort of experience. That oh, yeah. one thing that just sticks with you. Yeah. So I'm glad I know that. <laughs> I mean, you learn a lot. I'm sure they would be uh, yeah. over the years, but I think one of the biggest things for me that was kind of an eye-opening um, experience was when we launched Elder Scrolls Online. Yep. So we were very, very into and wanted to tell these amazing stories in Elder Scrolls, and we wanted the player's actions and choices to matter. Yep. And we kind of fell into a trap of that being the most important thing rather than yeah, okay. making it so that players could always see and play with each other. Yeah. So a, a really good example of that is, you know, you go to a town, it's on fire, you save it, and then the town's no longer on fire kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Um, and that then persists. At, at launch, the way we would do that is we would layer that, where there would basically be one version of the town and then another version and depending on what part of the quest you had done you go to this layer or this layer yes well that's great and you get to see that action but if my buddy hasn't done the quest and we're in the same area we don't see each other we can't play with each other yeah okay. so we had a lot of player separation issues and, and being able to connect them again and yeah they yeah. would just always be out of sync and not see each other and that was a huge pain point for an mmo where you're yeah, supposed to play with other with other people players. So we had to learn how to tell those types of stories while keeping players together. Yeah. Um, any particular highlights or treasure memories that you really kind of hang on to? You know, you have that rough day at work for whatever the reason may be, and that's the nugget that you always just kind of hang on to. Launching ESO was a yeah, huge milestone for us. You know, that was seven years of development. Uh, I think probably the thing that I look back on and smile the most yep. is uh, the update we did at the end of 2016, the one Tamriel update. Okay, yeah. Actually, yeah, that was a really big deal. And yeah. that was uh, a very controversial thing, especially yeah. internally, where people were like, why are you doing this? This doesn't make sense. That's not how MMOs work. Um, but it really turned Elder Scrolls Online from an MMO yeah. into an Elder Scrolls game. And that was when we removed those arbitrary level gates and we allowed people to kind of go anywhere and do anything and play with anybody. And the world was always relevant rather yes. than only the newest stuff. So yeah, of course. new players could come in and they could play the new stuff. Far more right accessible. Away. Yeah. They didn't have to level for 75,000 hours before they could play the new stuff. Yeah. And it really, really turned ESO around and, and made it what it is today. And clearly really impactful for you as well. Oh, yeah. Last and kind of not ESO, your career specifically, if there was any one game that you could be credited for that's ever existed, you, you would like to, you know, in whatever capacity, wow. could, be, could even be special thanks if that's, all, if that's all you need. Any one game, retroactively, we add your name to the list, what would it be? What would it be? Um, no caveats on the genre or anything like that, you can go whatever you like. Probably, probably Final Fantasy. Particular one? You know, Is there uh, a the favorite three, child? so I guess that was... Five oh, yeah, the uh, in three, Japan? three four in and Japan? six. Six in Japan? Three, six. Yeah. The, the, super, the 
really fast. This one. Yeah, with yeah. Um, Kafka and all Kafka that. Kafka yeah, and the whole world changing. Yeah, okay. yeah, that was probably the one that just blew me away. That was huge in my particular yeah. childhood, so I'm totally supportive of that decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Rich, thank you very, very much for coming on the show today, sharing your story. If uh, anyone listening today would like to kind of keep tabs, I guess, on what you're up to and get more information on the game, where would they be best to go? Uh, the the ElderScrollsOnline.com website is, is the good one. Uh, I also post a lot of things on Twitter. Yep. Um, most of it is what I like to call food porn and pictures of my dogs and things like that. People like that um, stuff. That's work, fine. work stuff slips in there sometimes, so uh, I'm slash lurk there. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes, so Perfect. please go and, uh, go and catch up with Rich if you so desire. But like I said, thank you very much for coming on the show today, sharing your story. It was fun. Um, and long may the awesome experiences that so far continue. And I look forward to seeing what comes next. Cool. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you would like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Rich's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.